play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. Cairo, Seattle. Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, comedian Judy Gold. Judy has been a stand-up comedian for nearly 40 years. She hosts a podcast called Kill Me Now. I am the latest guest on it. This is what we'd call a pod swap. Ooh. Yeah. And she made a pretty funny little joke because she's a comedian when we were setting up because this was on my day off. And so I was recording in my closet because my neighbors were doing construction. And I said, Judy, I'm recording in the closet. And she said, Rachel, I was in the closet for years. You'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So going back to Judy's list of accomplishments here, she won two Emmys for writing and producing The Rosie O'Donnell Show. She has written and starred in two critically acclaimed off-Broadway hit shows. She has even competed on Chopped on the Food Network. And like any normal person, Judy loves food. But she grew up kosher, so there were all kinds of things that she didn't try until she was a full-fledged adult. She only recently tried pork because she kind of got tricked into it on a TV show. So I ate it and... God, it was delicious. Was that the first time you'd <laughs> ever had roasted pork? Yes. So if you're kosher, pork is out, shellfish is forbidden. But what does it really mean to be kosher? Why do Jews eat that way? Well, not all Jews. I had my share of pork today as well. I invited Rabbi Menachem Ganak to the show. He's the CEO of OU Kosher, the oldest and most widely used kosher certification agency in the world. And later in the show, Judy and I talk about what it's like being a comedian in today's woke PC world. People coming up to me who are the most risky, um, subversive comics saying, do you think if I say this on my special, I'll get in trouble? It's like ridiculous what's happening. We'll get to that in the third act of the episode. But let's start at the beginning with the one and only Judy Gold. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. She's ready. So Judy Gold, starting from the beginning, I mean, not your actual birth, but I guess your career beginning. How did you become a comic? So I went to Rutgers, Rutgers University in New Jersey, and my dormitory floor, we were just so fun. And we would put on these shows. You'd get a note on your door with an assignment. And my best friend put a note on my door saying I had to do 10 minutes of stand-up comedy and use everyone on the floor as material. And it was like God had spoken to me. I had two days and I performed in our lobby. I had a microphone and it was like an out-of-body experience. I've done stand-up three times total, and the first time I did it was honestly the scariest thing I've ever done in my whole life. Really? Yeah, yes. so for you the first time, you weren't scared? Oh, my God. I was, like, horrified. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. It was something that I was proving to myself. Howard, my best friend, knew, you know, I wanted to be a performer and that I should be a comedian, and that's why he... He dared oh, me he to do it, it but it you. was so scary. Then I had a real gig in a bar. This was the 80s. That scared the crap out of me. I had diarrhea. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had that too. (laughs) Yeah. But I killed. I killed the first time. I killed. Judy did stand up throughout college, often taking slots at two or three in the morning at comedy clubs. And she's never, ever had another career. She's been a comedian since she was 19 years old. Judy, I'm jealous of you because RIP Carnegie Deli, but you had a, oh, a, right, yes. a bagel named after you at Carnegie Deli. What was your bagel? So they were like, we want to name a sandwich after you, which is like, oh, my God. And of course, they close right after because that's the story of my life. But anyway, <laughs> um, and I was like, you know, what do I want? Because I have my favorite sandwiches, but and they're meat. But I was like, I'm going to do a dairy. I'm going to do a dairy sandwich. Dairy is a significant term if you eat kosher. By kosher law, you can't mix meat with dairy, not in the same bite or in the same meal. So a dairy sandwich means it doesn't have any meat. And so it's an onion bagel with cream cheese, Nova salmon, creamed onions, a slice of tomato, and a side of herring and cream sauce. Oh, I love herring and cream oh, sauce. It's so Jewy. It's the oh, Jewiest sandwich the ever. Oh, yeah. What was it called? It was called the Goldilocks. But it was so funny because Goldilocks, get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but I remember when I came home and I was so, you know, my son came home from school and I was like, oh, my God, they're going to name a sandwich after me at the Carnegie Deli. I was so excited. I said, oh, they're naming a sandwich after me. And Henry says, oh, what are they going to call it? The Who's Judy Gold. (laughs) (laughs) So when you would go in, would you always order your sandwich just out of complete pride and joy? Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. Is there anything like those onions in the cream sauce? I've never had it before. It's it's like my whole mouth is watering right now. Is it just raw onions in that same? Well, they're... They're really soft. I don't know. You know, I guess they, they are, it's sort of like ceviche. It gets the flavor of the, of the cream sauce. It kind of like I mean? breaks down you in know, there. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, it feels like they cook it. It's cooked in the, oh, it's so good. <laughs> Herring and cream sauce is a staple at appetizing stores like Russ and Daughters and Zabar's in New York City. Like I said, I haven't had it. But I looked it up online and I will now explain it to you. So the fish is pickled, but it's also a little bit sweet and it's marinated in sour cream with some spices alongside of those onions, the white onions that Judy loves so much. And traditionally, I read, it is eaten on a slice of buttered rye bread. Okay, we are just getting started with Judy. When we come back, she tells us who in her family was secretly eating bacon. And we have a rabbi join the show to explain kosher law. We'll be right back. If you're a fan of naturally gorgeous, off-the-beaten-path vacation spots with small-town charm, you're going to want to plan a visit to Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, where you can grab a scoop of homemade ice cream and stroll around the adorable European seaside village of Paulsbow, or walk on the ferry in Seattle and get off in downtown Bainbridge Island. And May is the perfect month to visit Bremerton or Silverdale, where you can get out of the city and into the forest in just 15 minutes for a beautiful hike. Enjoy a farm-to-table meal at Bremerton's Restaurant Lola, a Black-owned business. I really need to make the trip out there for their Creole brunch. And in the morning, stop by Saboteur Bakery for croissants that are so flaky and buttery, you'll think you're in Paris. There's also a gorgeous golf course in the middle of the forest and there are several naval museums in Bremerton. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal to learn more. That's K-I-T-S-A-P. Or you can find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula. 
the natural side of the Puget Sound. If you like listening to Your Last Meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh available anytime, anywhere at cascadepbs.org or find a link in the show notes. On Twitter, I love that your handle is Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y Gold. It makes me so jealous that my name isn't Judy because of this. You're a nice Jewish girl, and I know you grew up kosher. When did you move over to the dark side and start eating the bacons and the shellfishes of today? Okay, well, okay, so it was a process. So I go to college, right, and I'm in the commons, the mess hall, and I notice that you know, people are getting burgers, cheeseburgers, whatever. And I was like, okay, I can't do that yet. Cause you know, the meat and dairy thing is, is against the rules. But I noticed people were putting melted cheese on their French fries. Now you're not allowed to have meat and dairy together. So I would kind of cheat and be like, all right, I'll just put the cheese on the French fries, but I'll still eat the burger, but not in the same bite. It was like so ridiculous. Anyway. So I started with the cheese meat combo i realized oh turkey and provolone is good i didn't get to shellfish till my 20s bacon it's a pretty recent thing and i still can't eat ham there's something gross about it like i it looks gross it's pink it's weird i recently ate pork you know it was funny i had to do this roast battle on the food network we were at the Friars Club. They had a bunch of comics, me, Gilbert, I forgot who else was there. And we had to roast the chefs, but they had to roast something, right? And one of the roasts, it was a pig. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I was like, well, it's work. <laughs> this whole thing, you know, it's work. I have to do it. I have to eat it. This pork is contract. in my contract. <laughs> so I ate it and God, it was delicious. Was that the first <laughs> time you'd ever had roasted pork? Yes. Oh, yep. so did your parents, I don't know, are your parents still with us or not? No, they're not. Okay. They're did they, Rest in peace. did they know that you fell off the kosher wagon? Well, my father died when I was young. I was in my twenties and I kind of think he wasn't as into it as my mother. So I'm sure he had some experiences, uh, <laughs> but my mother knew by the, you know, and it's funny because I have two kids, Henry and Ben, and Henry is really Jewy. Anytime we got in a fight, he's like, I'm sending grandma a photo of you eating shrimp. I'm like, oh, God, shut up. He's but, blackmailing you with shrimp? Yes. But it was so funny because my mother was really Jewy, but I thought everyone in my family was really Jewy. And so before my grandmother died, I went to visit her. She was in Connecticut the last few years of her life. And we went to this diner. We sat down and I'm getting my usual, you know, the usual lunches for the kosher, like egg salad or tuna salad. Right. And we sit down. I'm like, oh, I'll get it. I'm going to get a tuna melt. And my grandmother says it's the waiter comes over and she says, I'm going to get a BLT and looks at me. Don't you ever tell your mother. And I was like, what? I can't believe that's amazing. That I didn't have an Oreo cookie. 
cookie till I was 25. We had to eat Hydrox. Yes, Hydrox. Hydrox. We ate Hydrox. We Hostess. I don't we, like we couldn't have Twinkies or anything like that because they had animal fat in them. Did you change your order? Did you go with her into the realm of bacon? No, I, I couldn't do it. But I was like in shock. I uh, love that. I wonder if she ate that all the time then. Um, yes, she did. <laughs> they were all, I got so many stories about, you know, they all grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And apparently my mother was like the Jew police. I guess it was Yom Kippur and she was walking to synagogue. She went to, she decided to stop at her aunt's house and meanwhile, they're having like bacon and eggs. She buzzes and they're like op- putting on the fan and opening the windows. It's like they it, got know. caught smoking weed by their parents. Yeah, right. They had exactly. to have like the toilet paper roll with like the downy yeah. sheets in it. And they're blowing their yeah. bacon breath through it out the window. According to a 2013 Pew Research Center study called A Portrait of Jewish Americans, about 22% of American Jews reported keeping kosher at home. And the vast majority of them are Orthodox or modern Orthodox, which are the strictest sectors of Judaism. But what does it actually mean to keep kosher? I called up Rabbi Menachem Ganak. You like my huh? Yeah, been practicing my whole life. He is the CEO of OU Kosher, the oldest and largest kosher certification company in the world. It started giving supervisions on companies as early as the 1920s. Its first supervision was Heinz Ketchup or Heinz Products generally, and that was in the early 20s. So if you ever see that little U with a circle around it or an OU or an OUD stamped on a package of food, that means it was certified by OU Kosher. When a food company applies to have a product certified as kosher, OU reviews their claim and sends out an inspector to the factory at random to make sure they're following all the rules. Can you just lay out some of the major laws of keeping kosher? Yeah, sure. So um, the basic laws are founded on biblical injunctions, many of them found in Leviticus. But some of the more famous ones are that you're not allowed to eat non-kosher species, kosher species is defined as an animal that has split hooves and chews its cud. So the common species are, you know, cattle and sheep. And then there's a list of kosher birds. There are some birds, especially birds of prey, that are not kosher. What are some of the birds of prey that aren't kosher? Crow, eagle. The Torah lists 24, but we don't know exactly which those 24 are. For example, the word nesher, which means eagle, that we do know. But there are other amongst those 24 that we don't know the translation. So we only generally eat birds that we have a tradition about, like chicken and duck. One of the controversial ones that has generally been accepted is turkey, because it can't be a very ancient tradition of turkey since it's indigenous to the United States. But somehow it got accepted. So no pork, no shellfish. And like I mentioned earlier, you can't mix dairy with meat. So no cheeseburgers, no pepperoni pizza. Not only are you not allowed to cook it together and eat it after it's cooked, but the rabbinic legislation is that you're not allowed to eat milk after meat. Uh, The most common one is that we wait six hours. Some people wait only one hour. The Dutch have that tradition. German Jews had a tradition of waiting three hours. People who keep strict kosher at home have two sets of dishes and two sets of pots and pans. So one set is for meat, one set is for dairy. There can be no cross-contamination, which is something these inspectors are looking at when they go into a food production factory. Why? I mean, yes, 
It's in the Old Testament. It's in the Bible. But do we know why? Why did they put those rules in there for us to follow? Oh, that's a very, that's a very profound question. We can only speculate about God's reason for incorporating these laws. And God's mind is infinite and beyond human comprehension. I think the underlying principle is the sense of discipline that it brings in terms of religious sensitivity, even in the most mundane things that we do, amongst them eating. I've heard people speculate over the years, oh, it has to do with cleanliness. At that time, things were different and it was harder to keep clean, you know, with food and with the idea of circumcisions. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Or is this, you know, go beyond that kind of simplistic answer? It goes way beyond that. You know, as the Bible didn't prohibit eating pig because it wanted you to be careful about trichinosis. OU has certified products for about 10,000 companies in 100 countries. And the rabbi says it's more and more popular for products to seek out kosher certification. And it's not just because Jews are eating this food. Only 2% of Americans are Jewish, and only 22% of them keep kosher. But there are Muslims who look for these symbols. There are vegetarians, people who want to make sure there's dairy or no dairy in something. And a lot of people just think that kosher food is more hygienic. Growing up, I was told that a rabbi goes into the factory and does a blessing, and that blesses all the food, and that's another component of making it kosher. Is that true? No, that's absolutely not true. The, the function of what's kosher comes back to the ingredients, the means of production to make sure it's made and isolated only on kosher lines, and that's what he's inspecting for, no blessing. Okay, so this makes me think about how many things have I told people that I learned as a child that were not true? I remember my neighbor when we were little, she told me that her mom didn't have a belly button. And I believed her because I didn't know what the function was. And I had a moment in my 20s where it popped in my head. Hey, that's she had to have a belly button. She tricked me. And so now with this, like years ago, I went to uh, Peru and I was in the Amazon rainforest and we saw a sloth in a tree. And our guide told us that sloths are so devoted to each other. They, you know, when they're in a relationship, they're in, what is it called? A committed relationship? Yeah, sure. sure. A sloth marriage. A sloth marriage. Mm -hmm. If one of the sloths cheats on the other, they will kill themselves. They'll throw themselves from the tree. I've told like a hundred people this story because it's a really good story, you know? And then finally, 10 years later, someone called me on it and they were like, that doesn't sound true. So I Googled it, and it's not true. <laughs> it didn't come up anywhere. But sorry, Rabbi, I've been telling everybody for years that you bless the factories. That's why we call you old Fake News Rach. Wee wee. All right, Fake News Rach needs a break. When we come back, Judy Gold shares her last meal. Okay, Judy Gold, I have to ask you the ultimate question. Oh, what no, would I can't, your last now I just changed my mind? Oh right. no. Okay, that's fine. What is your last no, meal? Not. What's your new last meal? No, I think I'm gonna go with the old one. Okay. My oh, last meal. Also, before you say that, I have to point out that when I get an email from you and anyone else who gets an email from you, at the bottom it says, sent while thinking about my next meal. So yes. I love how food obsessed you are in this way. So oh that's my your God. Next I think meal. about food all the time. And like when I work out, I, all I'm thinking about is what I'm gonna eat when I go home. Me too. Whenever uh, I'm in yoga, I just make lists in my head. I go alphabetically of like the foods I love, starting with right. A just to get through it. Ah. Uh. It's such a good idea. Oh, okay. And people who don't love food, I, you can't trust them. You can't trust them. No. 
like I had one boyfriend in my whole life, right? And he did not care about food. Well, first of all, I'm gay. But um, so it was my experiment of, you know how straight people experiment with being gay? Yeah. In my time in the 80s, gay people, it was so awful to be gay. You had to experiment with being straight to see if you could, you know, because it was going to be such an awful life. So I had this boyfriend and he hated food. And I was like, I can't, like, how can you not love food? I know. Like, it's, eating is the greatest thing. Okay. So last meal. Okay. Freshly baked challah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm like uh, a, one of those like ladies in church in the front row. I'm I like, know. Hallelujah. Mm, yes. That's Woo! right. That's, All right. Um, <laughs> that's right, Judy. I would like, Ben, I'm on a radio show. He's talking on the phone. Can you hear him? No. Oh, good. I want my mother's stuffed cabbage with sweet and sour red cabbage sauce, egg noodles, um, I guess I have to have a vegetable. You know what? The cabbage. Screw the vegetable. I'm going to die. I'm dying. And the right? cabbage is a vegetable. Oh, yeah, that's true. So what is, um, can you talk more and, about the stuffed cabbage? Like what is it stuffed yes. with and what's the and chocolate and sour? pudding. Chocolate pudding. Go ahead. Oh, chocolate um, With whipped pudding. cream. All right. So the stuffed cabbage, it's, do you want to know how to make it? Yeah. So you take a cabbage, right? And you take the leaves gently off the cabbage head of cabbage and you boil them so they're soft. Meanwhile, you make some rice, you saute some onions, and you add seasoning, the, the sauteed onions and the rice to the meat. Is it ground and, beef? Uh, yeah, this is beef. Okay. And veal. I do beef and veal together. And then you make it into little balls, balls, <laughs> and you put it in the palm of the cabbage leaf. And you fold it together while you're pressing in the sides like a burrito. A lot of times you have to use what you call it, a um, toothpick to make sure it's, you know, stays closed. The sauce is a tomato and sweet and sour cabbage sauce. But my mother also made it with sauerkraut. And there was also a tomato sauce. But the sweet and sour cabbage with tomato, it it's so good. You put some some of the sauce on the bottom of the pan. A lot of people bake it, but she would do it stovetop. And then, oh, it was always good the next day, you know? What makes it the sweet and sour sauce? What's in I that? don't know. I buy it in the jar, the sweet and sour cabbage. Oh, it's just called that? Yeah, that you can get red cabbage, sweet and sour, and then you add condensed tomato soup to it. And you oh. make, the, that's how you make the sauce. It's so good. Oh, interesting. Um, I also would like one of my mother's uh, peach pies for my last meal. I love chocolate pudding. I love that you have the chocolate pudding because that is one of my favorites too. And I feel like nobody ever talks about chocolate pudding anymore. It's like a lost old fashioned dessert. Love my mother. She would do mighty fine. My, and then a capital T and then fine, mighty fine because that was the kosher one. And she would put them in these, you know, those little glass, like the fancy feast commercial where the puffy white cat would eat out of that little crystal bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah, kind of. And then she would put, whatchamacallit, uh, wax paper and a rubber band around it. Okay, so that it doesn't get that skin on top? Yeah. And it was like, I could only have one, but I wanted to eat like 12 of them. And I, it's so good. And you put a little whipped cream on it. Mm, I love that. Oh, it's so good. So yeah. do you do Friday night Shabbat dinner and do you make your own challah every Friday? No, I never made challah. I want to actually do it now that we're in coronavirus. I usually go to a really good bakery and get one. 
I found an but amazing it, recipe though. I will send you because you have a challah. Yes. Do you know who Adina Sussman is? She's no, a she's cookbook Jewish. author. Yes. She lives in Israel yeah. and she has a newish book called Sababa. And I okay. made the challah from that book and it is the most perfect challah I've ever had. Like the nice crust, but then you just like tear into it and it's so tender inside. It is amazing. Oh, I got, I, can you send me the recipe? I will send it to you. But when it comes out of the oven, you can see just by looking at it that it's better than most challahs. Like the way where the strands meet in the braid, like the way yeah, that it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. tearing apart from each other. Oh, it's so good. And by the way, French toast is not French toast without challah bread. It's Sorry. True. For her last meal, Judy Gold wants homemade challah, her mother's stuffed cabbage with sweet and sour cabbage sauce, and chocolate pudding with whipped cream. Ah, oh, I want chocolate pudding. Now, if you listen to my hummus episode, you understand that I'm going to be doing the same thing now with the challah. <laughs> uh, so challah is a braided egg bread that is traditionally eaten on Shabbat, which is the Jewish Sabbath. So Friday nights at sundown and then during the day on Saturdays. You may notice, you probably will notice now, that a lot of bakeries only carry challah on Fridays. And to see a photo of the gorgeous challah that I made from Adina Sussman's book, check out my Instagram, Your Last Meal Podcast. I mean, I know a lot of people are obsessed in a lot of cultures, but why do you think Jews are so obsessed with eating and food? I mean, look at every holiday. Every holiday has food based around that holiday. Like for Purim, you eat humantashen because it's, you know, the hat of Haman who was wanted to kill all the Jews. So it's three pointed. Uh, there's the breaking of the fast. Matzah during Passover, you know, and I think there's something about family meals Shabbat dinner tradition and the Seder tradition. You know, I think there's something about being together and eating that is just so incredibly comforting. I read something last year that summed it up perfectly for me, and it was they tried to kill us. We survived. Let's yes. eat. Let's eat. <laughs> Judy has a book coming out soon with HarperCollins. It's called Yes, I Can Say That. When they come for the comedians, we are all in trouble. It's all about being a comedian in the modern era when the world has gone woke and super PC. College bookers, like, you know, 20-year-olds, are having comics come and they're telling them what they can and cannot say, what topics. You know, they're censoring comics. And it's gotten so bad that most seasoned comics will not do colleges. I mean, I have people coming up to me who are the most risky, um, subversive comics saying, do you think if I say this on my special, I'll get in trouble? It's like ridiculous what's happening. Comics are getting canceled. They have to apologize. Meanwhile, politicians and POTUS can say whatever he wants. No repercussions. Comedians are the last of the truth tellers. You know, we say what everyone's thinking and afraid to say. And we're social commentators. Lenny Bruce and you know Joan Rivers and Richard Pryor and George Carlin and all these people who fought so that we could say what we say. So have you changed the way that you write? Have you changed your comedy? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I've had gigs canceled. All of us have had gigs canceled. But I've been doing this since I'm 19 years old. I'm 57. I've never done anything else. You know, being on stage for me is probably the place I feel most comfortable and free. I haven't changed. 
Judy chatted with me while she was quarantining with her family back east. And like most of us, she has been stuffing her face 24-7. We're all, you know, in this situation. And I, I made stuffed cabbage and I made a roasted chicken. And like, I'm leaning towards the comfort foods that I grew up with because they make me feel better because I don't have my parents. Someone wrote on Facebook, does anyone who has deceased parents want their mommy right now? And I'm like, yes, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, it's chicken soup. It's that soothing feeling, the feeling safe and loved. You know, there's something so comforting about food that you can't get with anything else. And that was Judy Gold's last meal. Listen to Judy's podcast. It's called Kill Me Now. She has great guests like Amy Schumer, Isaac Mizrahi. I loved her episode with Joy Behar. So funny and her life was so interesting. She's been doing comedy for even longer than Judy. So great stories. And uh the latest episode is with me. It's my Miss Piggy voice. Judy Gold, thank you so much for being on the show. It was so fun having you. And uh, Rachel, you are... You're just the greatest. I'm so glad I got to meet you virtually. And I just, you're just a bright spot and you're adorable. And I can't wait to meet you in person. I know. I can't wait to have our little Cape Cod getaway. Yeah. And then I'm going to come to Seattle. Yes. And we're going to go eat. Yes, we're going to go eat. Yeah, we're okay. not going to eat any Jewish food, though, because that's not what we excel in. But no! I'll take you. No, we'll no, eat no, other no. stuff. Thanks to Rabbi Menachem Ganach, CEO of OU Kosher. And it happens to be Passover right now. So happy Passover, Rabbi. Happy Passover, Judy. Happy Passover to me and you and everyone. But I just want to say that it's going to be strange this year. I wonder if people are feeling the same way about Easter, if it has the same kind of effect. But quarantining and having a Passover Seder, for people who don't know, you gather around the table and you basically have a service and you're eating symbolic foods and you're telling stories and you're singing songs. And it's just not something that works when you're one person or two people. So yeah, I'm kind of bummed about that. Uh, But send me your messages. If you found a creative way to celebrate Passover or Easter, your last meal podcast, I read all the messages on Instagram. And speaking of that, we've been doing something fun on Instagram called the Quarantine Cooking Club. Uh, We're in our third week right now. So I've been putting up on my stories a few choices of past last meals from guests. You choose what you want to cook over the weekend, and then we all cook the same dish together. Any recipe, whatever you want. This last weekend was mac and cheese. Some people did craft from the box. Some people made homemade. I don't care. I just want to see your picture. So if you follow me on Instagram, Your Last Meal Podcast, you can get in on this weekend's Quarantine Cooking Club. This show was produced by Laura Scott and me, taped with Aaron Mason, and original theme music by Prom Queen. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. Judy! Listen to Judy's podcast. It's called Kill Me Now. She... Okay. Listen. Listen. I've come this far. (laughs) Listen to me. This show was produced by Laura. I forgot her name. How did Laura? Her name is just Laura. Scott. (laughs) Laura Scott. You know she's going to hear this. Got to delete it.